Once upon a time, two friends began sharing their dreams, literally. We wrote them down in the wee hours and unpacked them with each other via text upon waking, finding inspiration in their symbolism. Our dreams taught us that divine fingerprints are everywhere and can illuminate a path to Jesus Christ. I am Sarah. And I am Megan. And this is Dreamsicle. Join us as we learn to pay attention and find revelation for our lives hiding in plain sight. Okay, Sarah, we're entering the season of gratitude. It's true. Or the season of giving or whatever we want to call it. Ye old holidays. <laughs> so what's your take on gratitude as a concept? It's a big one. Actually, Cicero said that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Mm, that's Which good. kind of cool because it's like, it kind of leads into so many other things, other good things. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of research that's come out about this. What have you read? So much. Dr. Robert Emmons of UC Davis conducted this study about gratitude, and he concluded that gratitude is a deeper, more complex phenomenon that plays a critical role in human happiness than psychologists had previously thought. He said, gratitude is literally one of the few things that can measurably change people's lives. That's amazing. That's really big. There was also a research study at Harvard Medical School that found that gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. I mean, in so many ways, they said that people felt more positive emotions, they relished good experiences, improved their health, they were better able to deal with adversity and build stronger relationships. And I thought it was so interesting that they talked about how it could apply not only to the past, like reflecting on your blessings, but also the present, like not taking things for granted as they come and the future helping us stay hopeful and optimistic for what is to come. Hmm, that sounds like kind of intertwining mindfulness with hope. Like yeah. both good things yeah. for the mental health. <laughs> Dr. Jeffrey Froh said, as gratitude involves wanting what one has rather than having what one wants, instilling a sense of gratitude may help people appreciate the gifts of the moment and experience freedom from past regrets and future anxieties. So again, it benefits us in the present, in the past, and in the future. And like all of these people that are doing all of this research are establishing that it is good for our health, for our happiness, for our general well-being. But I think that like our heavenly parents have known this for a really long time <laughs> because gratitude has been emphasized throughout the scriptures from day one. Yeah. <laughs> There's that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 59:21, and in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments. And I've always thought this sounded kind of like mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like it's kind of like more of like the vengeful God rather than like the loving God. But I read this quote by Joseph Smith that kind of reframed it for me, that it's kind of not like God needs our thanks, but he wants us to be happy and knows that gratitude will bring us happiness. So this is what Joseph Smith said. As God has designed our happiness and the happiness of all his creatures, he never has, he never will institute an ordinance or give a commandment to his people that is not calculated in its nature to promote that happiness, which he has designed. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. So he's protecting us and promoting our happiness. It's almost like because it's a commandment to give thanks and to be grateful, it's like we're learning from the very beginning that this is a principle that will bring us greater happiness. Like, do this thing in order to be happier. Right. One of my favorite scriptures that talks about gratitude is in Doctrine and Covenants section 78. And it's it's like about the idea of being grateful even when things are not going swimmingly. 
It says, and he who receiveth all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious, and the things of this earth shall be added unto him, even an hundredfold, yea, more. I really kind of landed on this scripture when Jack was a baby and was diagnosed with his rare syndrome, and I kind of was grieving, and I had to come to the point of actually being grateful in all things which took some time. I mean, that was a process for sure. So this idea of receiving all things with thankfulness, I don't think is punitive. It's more like you were saying, inviting us to bring greater abundance into our lives through the thankfulness. And it's like the idea of when you feel thankful now, there's almost like a trust with you and God. Like, I trust that you love me and I'm grateful for what you're giving me. And I trust that you will always provide whatever it is that I need at that moment. And it will be okay. Everything will be okay. More than okay. Right. Because our, the things that we receive with gratitude will be returned to us a hundredfold or even more. I know that's amazing. I had a dream, I don't know, a year or two ago that kind of spoke to this idea of the hard things can be really good in that they will bring you everything that you need and just kind of recognizing that and, and like being grateful for it, which sounds counterintuitive, but I don't know, it works. So in this dream, I was outside with my husband and my youngest son and a whole like group of people. We were next to a lake. It was like woods surrounding it. And Everyone was really excited because an apostle was coming to speak to us. And it was like an ancient apostle from the scriptures, like Paul or someone. And everyone was super excited about this. And I wanted, I couldn't wait to hear, you know, what we were going to be taught. But by the time he got there, everyone else was kind of standing around the edges of this lake listening But my husband and my son and I were in the lake, again, water, (laughs) recurring theme, in little kayaks. We were each in a kayak. And my son, like, could not, for the life of him, just stay afloat in his kayak. He was taking on water. He was capsizing. He was tipping over. And the, the lake didn't appear to be very deep. He actually went under and, like, bounced up off the bottom and... The entire time that this apostle, this ancient (laughs) apostle was speaking, we were dealing with our kid and his boat that was full of water, which is like symbolic and yet so obvious. We were just bailing him out and keeping him afloat. And I was irritated thinking that I was missing out on what was being taught, like all this instruction. I realized Like as I was waking up, I had this sense that was telling me, you are learning the things you need to learn in a way that is just for you. Your life is curated to teach you exactly what you need. So while other people may be listening to this apostle, you are learning the same principles hands-on parenting your children. And when I woke up from that, like, the frustration of not hearing the apostle, but like dealing with the kayak and the kid and the water, it kind of just like ebbed. And I felt kind of a sense of gratitude, like, oh yeah, my life has been designed to give me what I need, to teach me what I need. So what I learned from that dream is like the same principle from first Thessalonians in chapter five, where it says in everything, give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Like it's designed for us. We can be grateful, expecting that we're being given what we need. If we can reframe our experiences in this way to see them as curated for us, for our benefit, we can be grateful for them. And then we can trust more. I feel like you could have seen your son struggle in the kayak as like evidence of God not caring or even being against you? Like, why aren't our heavenly parents like working to make this work out so we can all benefit from what's happening? But instead, 
you were able to see it as, sorry, I'm like totally putting words in your mouth. No, this is great. I'm like, I love this interpretation. (laughs) I'm hanging on every word. You were able to find gratitude and abundance within like things as they, as they happened, even though it wasn't, it wasn't working out in the best way possible. No, that's right. I love that interpretation of it. Although like we were in hindsight getting what we needed. It just looked really complicated and not like everybody else's experience. Right. That's life. When we open our eyes to God's goodness, we recognize the abundance in our lives and it tends to multiply. There is a talk given by Henry B. Irene several years ago, and it's one that has just kind of stayed with me and it's resurfaced several times about recognizing and remembering God's involvement in our lives each day. And he said that every day he ponders the following question. Have I seen the hand of God reaching out to touch us or our children or our family today? So he started writing down his experiences with seeing the Lord's hand in his life each day. And he said, as he did this, something began to happen. He said, as I would cast my mind over the day, I would see evidence of what God had done for us that I had not recognized in the busy moments of the day. As that happened, and it happened often, I realized that trying to remember had allowed God to show me what he had done. So one Christmas, probably like seven or eight years ago, I made a book for each of our extended family families that was like a blank journal to help them have a place that they could record these experiences and recognize and remember God's hand in their life. And we had ours and I recorded like maybe four things (laughs) over the course of several years. And I felt like I was kind of saving it for like the big things, like things Mm -hmm. that felt truly miraculous or (laughs) where it was really evident. But I was missing this key part of like thinking each day about what had happened and where I had seen evidence of what God had done for me and my family. So last fall, I started a new book where I kind of recorded like all of the good things that that had happened that day, like the sweet moments with my kids and the help that we had received from like the outside and things that had gone well in our family. And that's what really helped me start to see all good things as coming from God and Christ as the source of all good things, all light, all truth. And I felt like it shifted my relationship with God because I was starting to see that my heavenly parents were blessing me. They were helping me in so many ways. And it's so easy to feel punished by our life circumstances or feel forgotten. And when I took the time to recognize and remember the good things that were happening and then attributing those things to my heavenly parents, it completely shifted my relationship with them. And there's a definition in the Bible dictionary of prayer that I think like a lot of us are familiar with, but it kind of made me think of this. Part of it says, as soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely God is our father and we are his children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. There was a general conference where Elder Bednar kind of encouraged us to pray asking for nothing and only express gratitude. And I remember being like, what? Like, that's a nice thought, but like, I have lots of stuff I need to ask for. (laughs) (laughs) Other people can try that. I'm going to (laughs) pass. Right. (laughs) But I think Elder Bednar was right. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Gratitude is central to our communication with God, and it opens our heart to help us see who God really is. Abundant, loving, anxious to bless us. And this puts us in the truest relationship with our Heavenly Parents because we begin to recognize that all blessings flow from them. Mm, Yeah. 
Elder Renland recently said, When we consider the goodness of our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, our trust in them increases. Our prayers change because we know God is our Father and we are His children. We seek not to change His will, but to align our will with His and secure for ourselves blessings that He wants to grant, conditioned on our asking for them. We yearn to be more meek, more pure, more steadfast, more Christ-like. I feel like all of us have different circumstances or challenges that are difficult to navigate and where we might feel lost or forgotten by our heavenly parents. But when I took the time each day to recognize all of the help, the sustaining support that we were consistently receiving, I couldn't help but feel more gratitude, not only for that help, but kind of for even the challenges that we faced and the learning that that those challenges opened us up to. And kind of like a transformation, right? Yeah. Like you became someone new. Yeah. It changes us. Gratitude changes us. As I was kind of thinking about this concept of gratitude and what having a spirit of gratitude like deeply entrenched in us can do. I came to this idea that gratitude is a key that can unlock really great possibilities. And I thought about, you know, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, which President Monson explained that miracle followed an expression of gratitude. And it says in the scriptures, Jesus commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. President Monson then said, notice that the Savior gave thanks for what they had and a miracle followed and they did all eat and were filled. I mean, the disciples could have looked at the meager loaves and fishes and just seen the lack and felt like it's not enough. We don't have what we need. But instead, Jesus taught them through example that by giving thanks, then this miracle could follow. And that's something that I really have wanted in my life. I've wanted to be grateful for what I have and then to see the beautiful possibilities of the gifts that God is giving me and what it's teaching me. I love this quote by Elder Uchtdorf. He says, We sometimes think that being grateful is what we do after our problems are solved, but how terribly short-sighted that is. How much of life do we miss by waiting to see the rainbow before thanking God that there is rain? I don't know why that is so profound to me. Like, I typically like shun quotes involving <laughs> rainbows <laughs> analogies, <laughs> but I love that because I feel like my life has featured a lot of stormy weather. That just really resonated with me. So I I just want to tell an example from my own life, like one of the darkest, hardest periods of my own life, where I really was grateful in my afflictions. I genuinely was because I was seeing all the ways that God was sustaining me. So back in the day when my son Jack was starting to get bigger, like he was a preteen and was becoming very aggressive. There were a lot of times when he would get so agitated and kind of aggressive that I would have to restrain him until he calmed down and became safe. And my husband wasn't always around to help. He often was and always helped, but oftentimes it fell to me. And Jack was like, almost my same weight and he was getting really tall and just strong and I wasn't great at restraining him. I had learned a few things about doing it safely, but I mostly just had to like sit on him and I hated it. You know, I just hated it. It was so like demoralizing every time that it happened. But one time I just remember it was like late afternoon and my husband was at home, but he was way down in the basement in his home office working. And Jack was getting really upset. We were just in like the entry of our house. And I I got him down on the floor safely and 
I, I didn't want to yell for help because if I yelled, then he became more agitated. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to be all cool, like, you know, holding Jack <laughs> firmly but gently to the floor until he could calm down. And I just remember um, one of my other son's behavior therapists came walking into the room at, at the time. She was just walking through and she she, she saw me like in this awkward position with Jack. And, and I was so grateful because she could have been horrified or judgmental or whatever. And she said, Oh, what do you want me to do to help? And I said, uh, if you could just run down and tell Jeff, I could use some backup, that would be great. And she did. She just didn't judge us. She was just so like, I don't know, helpful and understanding. Anyway, I don't know why, like thinking about that story, like makes me emotional because it was such a, like an ugly, awful thing I had to do all the time and I hated it. And she just saw it as our reality and helped. And and then Jeff did come upstairs and kind of gently helped me, you know, restrain Jack and he did calm down and everything was fine. And as I look back on that, I'm grateful for several things that Abby, the therapist, was so cool about everything that Jeff was actually home, you know, a lot of the time working from home and and could back me up, that I had the physical strength, even though it wasn't like impressive, it was enough (laughs) to get the job done. There were just a lot of things that I feel grateful for in hindsight. Richard G. Scott taught some things about facing challenges and seeing them with a sense of gratitude and really partnering with God, really, that trust that we've been talking about. He said, you may be facing overwhelming challenges. Sometimes they are so concentrated, so unrelenting that you may feel they are beyond your capacity to control. Don't face the world alone. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It was intended that life be a challenge, not so that you would fail, but that you might succeed through overcoming. That's really hopeful. We can be grateful in knowing that God will provide. Everything is as it's intended to be, and it's to help us transform and become something completely different, something better. King Benjamin was one that talked a lot about gratitude, but he also focused on kind of our our nothingness as mortals. And I don't think he was talking about our nothingness in terms of our value, but our power, kind of like how Elder Scott said, we're not doing ourselves any favors if we're trying to go it alone, like in the challenges we're facing. But I think that the gratitude that King Benjamin taught about was something that opens us up to receiving the power that we need while we're in this reduced mortal state. In Mosiah 4.11, he said, I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and his goodness and long-suffering towards you. So he taught about recognizing Christ and he taught about what our relationship is with God, that we are truly dependent on God for everything, that we have this lack of power as mortals in a reduced state. But gratitude will open us up to receiving power We'll be given not only the power that we need, but the revelation that we need to handle the challenges that we face. One of my more recent favorite scriptures is in Mosiah chapter 5, verse 3. I think we're all pretty familiar with the reaction of the people following King Benjamin's speech, where they feel like they have this change of heart and they have no more desire to do evil, but to do good continually. But this verse after it is one that I think we kind of neglect. And they say, And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his spirit, have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. These are just like the people that were listening to this prophet. 
But as they recognized their relationship with God with this gratitude that King Benjamin taught about, they knew that they could receive every manifestation of the spirit that they needed. They could have these revelations of what was to come and that they could prophesy of all things. It's pretty incredible. (laughs) It's really hopeful. In all my reading this last week, I just noticed the relationship between gratitude and hope. And it's like, they're kind of reciprocal. Hope is very similar to trust that we've already talked about. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 61, it says, Be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. It's like this sense that even if it's hard, Jesus is still our Savior, and He he hasn't abandoned us. Like He will be there for us. So this idea of hope and gratitude being kind of intertwined, I really like it. It's like life-giving, I think. We know that even though things are can be difficult at any given time, they won't always be so. It will get better. So I had this dream. It, w- it was so vivid. I could hear my dad's voice in it. So I dreamed I was at the family cabin in Idaho, which was my dad's favorite place on earth. It was his happy place. And he was telling me I'd really like to get up to the North property, which was apparently like some other area that I didn't even know about, even though I've been going to this place my entire life. It's like, what was the North property? And suddenly, like in my mind, in the dream, I could see the North property. I could see what it was. And it was this steep, mountainous, wooded area with a tiny little log cabin on it. And what I was pretty intrigued about was that the trees had all been burned. They were all like kind of covered with char on the outside. But it was like that had happened at some point in the past. And the charred bark was starting to peel away from the trees and they were like green and fresh and new inside. It was like they were regenerating from within, which I mean, that's not like how forest fires work and (laughs) everything, but (laughs) very symbolic Yeah, in the dream. Yes. So I felt like it was purposeful because I was seeing this and I felt like the core of the trees was green and healthy. Like it was growing again. It was really wild because as I woke up, I heard that sentence that my dad said probably five or six times. I'd like to get up to the North property. I was even thinking to myself as I woke up, I think he wants me to remember this. (laughs) (laughs) And what I took from this dream, I felt like it was very instructive. And it was mostly not only that this North property was separate, like a place that we were aspiring to get to, trying to get to, but also that there was like this transformation happening with the trees. And I took from this that the things we really desire may not come right now. They may be available to us at some point in the future, but there is a sense of hope. And there's also a sense of thanksgiving that they will come. Like it will happen at some point. But this is my take on the symbolism of the burned trees. Our transformation has to happen inwardly first. Like we have to change from the inside out. And I I really think that a big key to that is being grateful in all things and maintaining that sense of hope. Yeah, this reminds me of a scripture in Ether 12.4 that says, Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. Well, it's kind of reminding us that there inevitably will be something better. Good things to come. Yeah, like hold on to that. So in thinking about how gratitude and hope are linked together, hope always seems like 
kind of future focused. And we know that gratitude is, well, the gospel topics entry on gratitude says, gratitude is a feeling of appreciation and thankfulness for blessings or benefits we have received. As we cultivate a grateful attitude, we are more likely to be happy and spiritually strong, which is kind of a basic definition. But I think that we can also have gratitude ahead of receiving blessings. Just kind of like we've talked about when we acknowledge the eternal nature of God's plan and receive it with gratitude and understand that our heavenly parents have enduring love for their children and they want things to work out in our favor, I think then we can like have that hope and trust in future things and even think of them with gratitude even before they happen. There's a scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So it's this concept of even our request for future events being made in an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude. It's kind of like manifesting, like you can approach what is to come or what you hope is to come with gratitude even before it happens. Well, that even happened in the Book of Mormon when the people were being taught about Jesus before he came to earth and they believed in him and hoped in him and were grateful for him. As if he had already come. As if he had already come and redeemed them. Yeah. They do a lot of that in the Book of Mormon, like speaking in this, I don't even know. I know what tense it is. Yeah. Something. Future, present. I don't (laughs) Future, perfect. Future, there you go. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't know. know. (laughs) But yeah, it's something that hasn't yet happened, but they have this reverent assurance. Assurance. That it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Complete assurance. And like, I mean, we can have that too for things that have not yet happened. Sometimes gratitude, it will open us up to like these good things happening in our lives and like even miraculous things. Like we talked about, Jesus expressed thanks before kind of multiplying the meager supplies they had to feed the 4,000. But he also expressed gratitude before raising Lazarus from the dead, which that was a a really, really big miracle. Yeah, and fascinating that he gave thanks beforehand because like he knew what was going to happen. I wonder, like, see, that's where I get kind of fascinated by this concept because Is it because he knew what would happen or is it like the gratitude itself that opened it up and made it happen? happen? Yes. I know. So cool. So in John chapter 11, verse 41, it said, like he comes to the place where the dead were laying and it says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me which I don't know, maybe he privately had petitioned God, you know, on his way there. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, so cool. (laughs) Sorry. That's unbelievable. I feel like I've seen this play out in my own life recently that like a little bit of gratitude kind of led directly into this miraculous experience. So for basically all of 2020, I felt really strongly inspired, guided, prompted that we needed to have a fourth baby. This is like a scary thing for us. It's a big deal to bring another child into your family for anybody, especially when you have kids with special needs. And we decided to follow the promptings that I had been receiving. And I can never get pregnant without medical intervention. And so we started down the path that we had for each of our other kids and um, things weren't working. And so we like kept adding layers of intervention until we finally decided like we had given our best effort and I hadn't gotten pregnant. And it was like months and months. Yeah. This is after like eight or nine months of consistent effort. But it was hard. It was like giving yourself shots and 
getting stuff injected. It's hard work. Even though like a lot of this revelation I felt like I had received really wasn't, it didn't like make sense because we had this kind of open-ended like we still don't have a baby and I don't know what that was all supposed to mean, but we kind of closed the door on it and figured we would just move along with our family as is. And over time, I felt like more and more content with our family, exactly how it was. And even just, I remember specifically being in the car one day and thinking about each of my kids and their really unique personalities and just how they are and their gifts and like who they are and feeling so grateful for them and for the family that we have. And feeling content, right? Yeah, just like really content. peace with it. Peaceful, like, this still doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's okay. Like, I had kind of let go of any expectations. And lo and behold. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Uh, yeah, um, so then I... I'm pregnant somehow. (laughs) I like cannot even believe it. (laughs) I mean, it's a true miracle. It really is. It's not a result of any medical intervention or frankly, any planning or (laughs) tracking of anything. It's just interesting to me that like at this point, I finally arrived to where I felt gratitude. I felt content. Then it, it wasn't even like the thing that we were trying for, like, happened, it was completely out of our hands. It was a total miracle. It was. Well, you said you were flabbergasted. Yes. Speechless. Dumbfounded. Amazed. Astonished. (laughs) And yeah, then you texted me a swear and I knew it was big news. (laughs) Good news. I really don't swear. This is like worthy of a swear. That's why I knew it was something huge. (gasps) One thing that I've thought about and really kind of grappled with, I don't feel like I've resolved the tension of this issue in my mind yet is like the idea of survivor's guilt. Like I'm not having to restrain Jack every day anymore. Like things are not as traumatic and stressful on a day-to-day basis. And I've kind of looked at my life and I have so much gratitude both for how we were carried through the hard things and how we're in this like more peaceful season right now. And I've almost felt like this guilt at the good things, which bothers me because I think it's normal that we as people experience seasons of plenty and seasons of trial, like life waxes and wanes. That's just reality in the mortal world. And I think I have this understanding that like God will provide And sometimes it will be just enough to carry you through, which is what we experienced so often when our kids were little and it was like daily survival. But then at times we may have more than enough, more than enough time, energy, resources. And I like felt so weird about this guilt that's kind of come along with that for me. And I don't feel like it serves anything. Yeah. What's your take on that? I think that you only have guilt because you also had a really hard thing. And if you hadn't had the hard thing, you wouldn't feel the guilt. Mm -hmm. Like there are people that live in abundance without even realizing it. And I think it's a blessing to have gone through the hard thing. And then you you're more readily aware of the abundance that you're living in now and you can give or like help others in meaningful ways with the time and resources and energy that you have now. No, I like that take on it. I like that perspective. I don't think that guilt in this sense is useful. 
Yeah. Like I, I would rather reframe it from a perspective of love and gratitude and having this cup overflowing. And then, like you said, sharing that. Right. And not having guilt be a factor in me wanting to reach out or help or, or whatever it is I feel like I'm called to do, but more a sense of love propelling that. Yeah. But I think that like even recognizing the abundance that you're like in in this season is a way that makes you more grateful for the challenges that you've gone through too. Yeah. Because you can see it for what it is. So this reminds me of a quote by Elder Irene. He said, we so easily forget that we came into life with nothing. Whatever we get soon seems our natural right, not a gift. And we forget the giver. Then our gaze shifts from what we have been given to what we don't have yet. Mm. I don't know. I think sometimes when you only live in in like abundance of all of these gifts, you don't, you don't see them anymore. Yeah. I think that is kind of a human thing to do to like settle into a sense of entitlement, even though really we owe everything to God. I don't know. Something that I think I've learned through raising my specific children is that there's really kind of a spectrum of hardship and blessings and it can extend really far in either direction. Sometimes it almost seems to me that there's a pendulum and it is swinging back and forth at different times in our lives. And that if it swings so far in one direction, like the hardship direction, it will swing equally far in the blessings direction. This is the gospel according to me. <laughs> this is this is my take on struggle versus like gratitude for the struggle. There's and like, I don't know. Equilibrium of. Yeah. It, there's, there's something to that. I don't know if it's because we've got to have extra blessings or gifts given to us to enable us to survive the hardships, or if maybe experiencing the hardships somehow like refines us and then allows us to actually recognize when we have great gifts and blessings in our lives. I haven't totally parsed that out. Maybe the abundance that we see if we've been through a lot actually flows from having engaged with that struggle. Sometimes we're really quick to compare both our blessings and our hardships. And uh, it always feels unfair (laughs) when we do that. Like, yeah, where's my white kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) Where's my amazing laundry room with (laughs) pods in a jar? (laughs) But, you know, like none of that matters. No. I don't know. And I think that when we approach life with this spirit of gratitude, like what we have will always be enough, even if it's a 1954 Naughty Pine cabinet. (laughs) I mean, it gets the job done. It does. It works. Most of the time. (laughs) But kind of going back to the idea of like seasons, Mm -hmm. seasons of plenty and seasons of lack. I, I don't know. I had this dream that kind of taught me something about this. I often dream about babies. Usually there's somebody else's baby that I'm like holding and whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But I had a dream where someone handed me a baby and I understood that like, oh, this was my baby, like surprise. I didn't know I was having this child. And I was like not thrilled about it because I am basically like geriatric in the world of (laughs) obstetrics and gynecology. (laughs) I am too. (laughs) I know. And I was like, oh my, here we go. We're just start, we're doing this again, like starting (laughs) over. And I... I wasn't excited about that part. And then I, and then I realized that this child was a girl. I had known that from the beginning, but like it like really dawned on me and I was standing in front of like the window at my childhood bedroom and like the light was coming in and I'm holding this little newborn girl in my arms. And I suddenly felt like I had received an impossible gift, like this 
dream of having a daughter that I'd, I'd always wanted. And that just wasn't what happened. You know, I had boy after boy, after boy, after boy. (laughs) And which is great because I love my sons. I love my family and like, kind of like you and your miracle, I am completely at peace with my family of sons. But in the dream, I realized like, oh, I have just received something that I thought could never happen. And it felt like I I knew as I was waking up, it was that like instructive moment that this baby girl felt symbolic of great blessings I felt I can't have. Mm. But there was this moment where I was like, oh, this is not about a baby. This is about me learning and being amazed at the possibility of like, quote unquote, impossible blessings. So one one thing I've noticed is that when we are grateful for things, they no longer plague us. They just stand to bless us. So... <laughs> Here, I will confess all my sins on this podcast. (laughs) I do that too. Yay. (laughs) Confessional podcasting. I like really until about a year ago, did not have a super strong connection to the temple. I heard people talk about how they were just so drawn to it. They loved to be there. They learned something every time. I was like, I mean, it's peaceful there and it's beautiful. (laughs) But I didn't feel like that, kind of like I wasn't super drawn to it. And and also like my scriptures, I, you know, I served a mission. And so I had like this deep love for the scriptures on my mission. But then you kind of like fall back into real life eventually. And like both of those things just became checklist items for me of like what a good member of the church does, like oh, I haven't been to the temple in a while, so I should go. Like it was a should very much. But kind of as I came to understand, partly through just practicing gratitude and understanding my true relationship with my heavenly parents, I was suddenly like really drawn to the scriptures and to the temple. I wanted to be in the scriptures because I knew that it would further my understanding of my relationship with my heavenly parents and with my savior. And I wanted to be in the temple because I knew that's where revelation could flow even more consistently and with fewer distractions. And so I think as I approached both of those things with real gratitude, I was blessed with so much more insight and more meaningful experiences than I ever was when I just like did them out of a sense of duty. And I know that there are times when we just do, like sometimes you do just go to the temple because you haven't been in a while. But I think, I don't know, I just experienced that change of heart as I developed gratitude for those things. Elder Renlund said, our Heavenly Father wants us to recall his and his beloved son's goodness, not for their own gratification, but for the influence such remembrance has on us. By considering their kindness, our perspective and understanding are enlarged. By reflecting on their compassion, we become more humble, prayerful, and steadfast. As I've been studying gratitude, I kept thinking of this phrase that I had heard and read about at some point, and it was the law of compensation. And so I started like, you know, looking through like conference addresses and the Bible dictionary. And I'm like, it's not in here. Like, I know that I have learned about this before. Well, so I turned to Google and it turns (laughs) out the reason it's not in like LDS tools and everything is because it was Ralph Waldo Emerson oh, there you go. who wrote an essay about the law of compensation, which is kind of a gospel principle because it's basically the law of the harvest. Like whatever you reap, that is what you sow. 
we're rewarded for our works and our intents, the things that we have done. But if you look at like the idea of compensation in a gospel sense, which obviously I did, it's like really comes back to the atonement of Jesus Christ, which means that we can't ever earn our salvation, no matter how grateful we are or how hard we try, how good we attempt to be, that we always have to rely on our Savior, and that ultimately everything will be made right and more than right because of Jesus. Elder Christofferson said, With confidence we testify that the atonement of Jesus Christ has anticipated and in the end will compensate all deprivation and loss for those who turn to him. No one is predestined to receive less than all that the Father has for his children. Essentially, a synonym for compensation is reward. It's like we will be compensated. We will be rewarded for our efforts, but beyond our efforts, simply because God is good and Jesus redeemed us all. So, yeah, kind of what I landed on is that gratitude isn't an entitlement, like the sense of like, I... I'm grateful for things because I deserve said things. That's not really what true gratitude is. It's more a sense of deep thankfulness that God operates according to this concept of compensation, that everything will be fulfilled, everything will be restored simply because he loves us. That's how it was designed. And our heavenly parents do this both by giving us at times just enough to get by just enough in those seasons of of lack and at times giving us like all that they have everything and more so that we can share it i don't know it's kind of stunning both ways yeah because we will always have what we need that's so hopeful and comforting kind of comes back to the idea of thanksgiving being a power something that unlocks the potential for miracles or great things or joy or or anything good so it turns out it's true social scientists are right as are all of the prophets and the scriptures and jesus and benedicting monks who incidentally have said it is not joy that makes us grateful it is gratitude that makes us joyful Hydrate, get some sleep, take care of yourself, and dream deeply. You can find notes from today's show on our website, dreamsiclepodcast.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at dreamsicle.podcast. Click subscribe wherever you listen to make sure you never miss an episode.